Good afternoon. It is me again. Well, it's afternoon where I am, but it might be morning, it might be evening, might be the middle of the night when you're listening to this. But it's me. Rob is not here again. This is another one of my solo solo intros, but not solo podcasts, because this is another part of my Grimfest Easter virtual practical horror interview press week thing a thon where I get to do quite a few podcasts in a short burst of time and then release them to you over the next few days. So you previously heard the one with myself and Dan Slater talking about the film The Family. What we have here was also recorded on the same day as the conversation I had with Dan. I was a little bit more at ease because I'd broken past that, oh my God, I've not done one of these interviews for months sort of uh, feeling. This is with a couple of filmmakers. We have producer Alison Scarf and Richard Waters, who is a director and writer of... uh, of an amazing film called Bring Out the Fear, which you definitely need to watch. Um, Again, there is no spoilers, so this isn't the sort of interview that you need to listen to only if you've seen the film. If you haven't seen the film, there is more than enough content in here to be able to enjoy the conversations anyway. I'm not a huge fan of the interviews where I haven't seen the film, because it's and they talk solely about the movie. I do struggle with some of them, and I usually save them up until I've watched the film. If you end up doing that, then that's fine. You still downloaded it, so I'm still quite happy. But uh, I'll definitely listen to Alison and Richard chat. They're on the call together. They were sitting in the same room. Because uh, obviously, they, well, not obviously, because they live together. I knew that. So well, obviously, you might not know that. But they were in the same room. I was virtually talking to them on Zoom. So it was more of a proper conversation. And uh, technology worked as well as time, which was quite nice. So enough waffling from me. Enjoy the conversation. Thank you very much to Alison. Thank you very much to Richard. Thanks to the rest of the cast and crew um, who put this wonderful film together. And a huge shout out to Grimfest. Grimfest, you're amazing. I wish I could actually make it in attendance to your festival. Once again, my night job has me working on those nights. So I'm sure it's some sort of bloody conspiracy that my work How's it going? And uh, I'll sort that problem out at some point soon. And I will make damn sure I'll make it to your event later on in the year. But for now, I'm going to shut up for a second. And uh, and then it will be myself, not shutting up for a second, chatting to Alison and Richard. Take care and enjoy the conversation. This is Anthony Alex from the Angry Mailman podcast. And you're listening to another fine show from the From Page to Screen Media Empire. Hey guys, this is Ace Marrero from the movie Madison County. Hi, this is David L.G. Hughes, writer-director of the film Hall Bowl Suites. I love the pace and the fastness, and I love the fact that you just roll with it. Hi, I'm Eric England, the director of Contracted. Hi, I'm J.K. Amanu, the writer-director of The Asian. Hi, I'm Brando Benetton, director of Nightfire. My name is Nathan Whitehead, and I wrote the music for Beyond Skyline. Hi, this is James Kellen Brussack, the writer, director, and producer. Hi, this is Ben Lloyd Holmes from the film The Expedition. This is Dominic Burns, the director of Allies. Hey, Stuart, page the screen.com up in my bundle. Snakes, that's my motorcycle running and tracking over my fucking snakes, Jamie's, with Dom, Dean Peter, and Chris. I'm Neil Johnson, I directed Rogue Warrior and The Time War, and I crucified Adolf Hitler. The From Page to Screen. Hello. Hello. I'll just look down, look up. Oh, they're there. Oh, my God. 
Is it tea or coffee that you've got? Just tea. We just oh. have to drink a lot. Just going. Water <laughs> for me. Dull old water, but you know, kind of works, doesn't it? <laughs> so <laughs> behind. Yeah. It's way cooler than our background. Yeah. I'm already drawn to it. Like, darling, that's uh, is, whose signature is that? Polly's? Uh, that's Polly's signature. Uh, I have um, the so- Jennifer and Sylvia Soska there. Nice. And uh, Valerie, yeah, it's my little, it's not quite my entire geek collection, but I was conscious when we started doing the virtual conversation slash interviews a couple of years ago. I'm like, a white wall is not covering it. I need to, the rest of the room's like a tip, but this looks quite professional and quite sort of geekified. So I think, really, for us, the rest of the room is relatively bare right now, but behind yeah. us is like disorganized. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You've got a bookshelf, though. And I think. Yeah, that's- you know, you watch, you look at it on the news, everybody's got a bookshelf. I don't know about you, but and I'm not doing that with your conversation, obviously, but whenever you look at them on the news, you're like, what are they reading? Do they have any of the same books I have? You totally do. Well, like, the worst thing is like, all the, we have some Blu-rays behind us, but they're like hidden, hidden down behind. So we don't, we don't look like we're true, proper cinephiles. No, no you should have them propped up everywhere. So people think that's what your house looks like. It just Blu-rays and stuff anywhere. So I was going to go, I mean, it's snowing outside where I am now, which makes no sense wow. because it was, it's supposed to be springtime, but there is actual snow flowing, snow falling. Are even. you up north? Where, sorry? Well, your, your accent states you're up the North England, but are you up the North England? No, well, originally I'm from Scotland. So I'm from, yeah. I'm from Fife, but I moved down to England many, many years ago. So I've got like a mongrel accent. So I'm about probably 15 miles north of Manchester. Oh. It's snowing. Yeah. It's just, it just started lashing here, and we're a bit more south. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I was going to go out for a walk in there's a, like a forest area near me, but your your films just ruined it for me, so I'm never going into a forest again. Um, so it's ruin it for everyone. I think Bring Out the Fear has done for me what Jaws did for me, going for a swim. To be fair. Oh, <laughs> Because like forest walks are really important to us as people, and we've ruined them. See, I just need films like that just to motivate me not to do the things I don't want to do. You know? <laughs> oh my god, that film about like oh the terror, the, the terror of shopping. Yeah. Oh, I can't yeah. be doing that. No, no, we need to do one in a gym where it's haunted. It's like the treadmill. Uh, I, I have two films that I'll send you. One of them is uh, is a horror film in a gym, so you never go there again. And my favorite one that I obviously like to watch is uh, Fear of Salad. I don't, oh, I, don't, yeah. I don't tend yeah. to watch films that have got salad and I can't do it. Can't touch salad. Scares me. Sure, I saw a film. Probably Killer Tomatoes or something probably did it years ago. Um, yeah. Now all we need is a film about paying taxes, being evil, and then we're sorted. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. That would just be a documentary, wouldn't it, I think? <laughs> so, yes, I, I spent the day watching a couple of films. One of them I watched was called The Family, which is very good, but I spoke to Dan Slater earlier on, so I'm not going to mention his name again because he's had his time. Uh, the second one was yours, Bring Out the Fear, which was wonderful. I always get I, I always get really nervous. I mentioned this when I was talking to Dan. I'm like, if Grimfest ever send me a film that, that I really don't like, and then go, speak to the filmmakers, I'm going to be in trouble. But thankfully, it's never happened yet. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. I thought it wasn't us. It's either that or else you're a really good actor. And yeah. like, you know, yeah. you lie well, good. Who's your agent? Yeah. Well, <laughs> my partner may say I lie good, but no, let's, let's, and I'm not that good an actor. But I know, I think the films that Grimfest select or choose or accept or whatever, I need to just pay money to the selection crew because they've just, they have nailed it, which is something I've said in a previous conversation and I won't continue to say. 
I think so, it helps when you have a love of it. Like when you yeah, have a yeah. graph or something, like it's definitely there that it makes it easier. That it's like there's yeah. just more respect, I suppose. Yeah, it's kind of nice though because they're like, yeah. I mean, they're one of the bigger ones in the UK, so yeah. it's kind of nice that you know they obviously take the time. They don't have a huge mm. like collection of films either, so it's nice. Yeah, they're that, choosy. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, that's not a bad thing because you know, I mean, sometimes you get to a festival and you know, the more fest, the more yeah. titles it has, the more chance of there being turkeys in there. You know, yeah. and also the. The more chance you have of missing something as well, I suppose. If there's like 50 films on in a weekend, you're like, I can't possibly see them all. But I think they have maybe about a dozen, I think, on this, which is kind of doable. Well, that's it. Like, I mean, I've gone to Fright Fest like loads of times and like, I just love you go in and watch five films a day over whatever the four or five days and, you know, you just absorb it all. But even then, like the amount of films you end up missing and having to wait for ages for them to come Mm. out. Because a lot of them, like some of the really interesting ones end up being so obscure that... You know, I mean, they come out maybe two years later on some boutique label or something like that, you know? So how do you manage that? Because I've never, five films a day for however many, it's like five days, whatever. It's not truly exhausting, even though the films are really good and you enjoy it. That must be a bit of a killer on the energy levels. Yeah, I, I realized at one point that the big trick is to, in between films, is to walk outside and just inhale uh, air very deep, get as much vitamin D, like whatever, like, I mean, London, you don't get much sunshine, but get as much sunshine onto you as you can. And um, because otherwise you just end up with headaches nonstop. And like, I'll, I'll be honest, sometimes you get the films that you don't enjoy and you might like, I'm not, like, I'm not even shameful about it. You just kind of pass out at them. But um, <laughs> so, you know, that's the worst thing as well. I mean, I always went with a friend and like, you know, we'd have a full night's sleep and things like that. But even then you'd still get so tired watching the films. Yeah. And, you know, it's just so weird. I guess maybe it's just that idea of you're in a dark room for like, if there's five films and say averaging 90 minutes. So like, what's that going to be like seven and a half hours of films or whatever. Mm. Um like it's just it is exhausting but you know at the same time it, there's a bit of a like a fun event to it you know yeah, yeah. i don't have that stamina. i can max <laughs> do three a day but it's kind of like you know if we like sit down and watch like all the lord of the rings in a row you know well that would take two days you just you don't have the energy <laughs> no no i don't i used to be able to I remember as a kid i'd watch eight nine films in a in a 24-hour period and that'd be fine now any more than two or three i'm like you know oh, i'm good can't do that yeah. I, need, I need to sleep after sitting down doing nothing for an hour and a half watching a film so yeah very strange same. it's no fun getting older i hate it you're oh, <laughs> watching a movie at night like I, I tend to watch because you wouldn't be quite as into some of the things i watch and yes. i'll be watching them on my phone holding them above my face and you know of course i get tired and it just you know it, the amount of time it just drops you know thankfully you <laughs> wear glasses so they save you from the yeah. bruises that's it yeah <laughs> Well, after watching Bring Out the Fear, I thought, well, you know what, that's my walk done for the day, so I'm good. It's my exercise, watching watching them two walking around in the forest. Forever. <laughs> yes, forever and ever. Very clever film. As, it, it, initially, it's simplistic, because it's like, effectively, it's about two people going for a walk, isn't it? Which is not yeah. unlike Lord of the Rings, really, when you think about it. But <laughs> There are influences on my sleeves, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I was watching for golems running around in the background or something like that. And there, there wasn't even a second breakfast in there, but never mind. Yeah, but, but you know, the, the the simplistic pitch is two people who are in a relationship, little, you know, a little bit of a fragile relationship, go for a walk to sort things out. And then anything beyond that kind of gets into spoiler territory, doesn't it? So it's, it's an easy film to pitch. How, when people go, what's your film about? Is it, what, what do you normally, how far do you go with it? Um, well, I would say it's about a couple in a doomed relationship who go for uh, one last walk in their favorite forest, uh, but they find that they can't escape it and that they're being um, followed by some sort of malevolent spirits or possibly followed by some malevolent spirits. Uh, Mine is a little different. 
Oh, go on. I always describe it differently to Richard, and I always feel bad. It's like it's, it starts off the same way. It's two people in a dream relationship, but the film is them basically being haunted by their past mistakes. And I just leave it at that. Ooh, that's much easier. Can I say that one? Um, I say uh, it every time, and you're I'll, like, oh, I'll, I'll, I should. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I keep it to two lines and be like, watch it if you want. That's yeah, so funny. That's the when best. You film, <laughs> when you submit your film to a festival, you know, you come up with your logline for the programs and stuff. And it's mad just seeing the way that they get changed by different programmers. Yeah. Like when Fright Fest took the film, they changed the logline. So, well, not so much, but they, they changed it drastically enough. And then every now and again, I'll see the other version, my version of it out there. And it's like, oh, that's so wrong. What happened to this? I kind of uh, love seeing it because when you have people who have opinions and like ideas, but after just seeing the film, that's kind of what you want. It's like, what did you take from it? Like, what was your interpretation? I always think that's the most fun things, especially something like this. As you say, it's such a simplistic story. It's two people mm-hmm. in a wood. They get kind of lost. And it's like, how do you go from there? How do you describe that to make it interesting? And I always think that's mm. like so rewarding seeing that come back. I know. But at the same time, and I mean, I knew this when I was kind of coming up with the film, is that it's one of those annoying ones where it's like, you know, you don't really want to say too much because mm-hmm. you don't want to give it away. But it's a really hard one to pitch to people. It's like, you know, oh, you should watch this because it's about this. It's like, it's about two people going for a walk in a woods. <laughs> no, no, no. Hold on. It's low oh. budget, though. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and then they go, oh. As if like low, as if like low budget is a bad thing, which it used to be. Low budget used to be. Oh no, that's terrible. I'm not watching that now. I don't think it means that. Oh, it God. really doesn't. It just means oh, it's more creative. I like oh, that. Definitely. Oh, yeah. I think all my old films over the last like five or six years have mm. all been on the lower budget side. Like I love it. It's. I started, I've been thinking about this. Like you know, I see some films in cinema and stuff for that, and they don't really do as much for me anymore. Well, I guess that's been the same for a long time. Like the like studio horror has never done as much for me as. Uh, you know, a good indie horror, you know? Mm. I think I saw I Trapped the Devil at Fright Fest, and that one did an awful lot for me. And again, that's a nice small film, you know? Yeah. Or any of the, like, Benson and Moorhead. Yeah. Uh, ones like, you know, they are always, like, I know that, like, I mean, they're they're very talented people, but, like, what they do with their budgets is just absolutely out of this world. Yeah. Now, what if a studio came to you and went, right, here's 100 million, go make a film, would that petrify you? Or would you just be like, yes, finally. I think it would scare me to death. We probably have a discussion being like, can we keep the 100 million but make 10 films? Yeah. Well, that's why I don't get why studios don't do that. Well, like, yeah. when you told you to an extent and stuff, and yeah. house and stuff, like, they definitely try to do it. But yeah, like, I mean, I, I think I'd love to, like, that kind of challenge of a bigger thing, you know? Yeah. I mean, but it's so funny because, I mean, all the things, it's just, I mean, it's just more people or, like, you know, more money going in certain areas because, yeah. I mean, bigger budgets are normally just like big VFX things. And mm-hmm. so it's just like, I mean, it gives you more time sometimes, but yeah. there's always a limit on time. Like that's what money really gets you. It's time and it's like yeah. time valued. Um, so when you start to look at it that way, there's always going to be a limitation to your budget, whether it be like 10 euro or like 10 million. Mm. So like there's always going to be penny pinching no matter what you do, mm. which is always interesting because I think that's such an like you always think, oh, my God, they had so much money. And it's just like they didn't really when you start to factor in how many people they needed and how much they were supposed to do with it. And everything from there, and you break it down, and you're just like everyone kind of struggles. It's like a unique finding thing. Yeah. All of us are broke. It, it's like the people that earn a million euros a year, or whatever, compared to those that earn twenty thousand. They're probably struggling because they're they're used to living a certain way, or whatever. But exactly. uh, yeah, yeah. So when was Bring Out the Fear filmed? I get the impression it was a lockdown film. No, it doesn't blatantly go, oh, that's a lockdown film. But I've started to watch films go, oh, was that shot during the pandemic and this, that? Because if not, it would be a perfect one because you've got a very small cast in the middle of the woods. 
Well, would you like we were just ahead of the curve because yeah, just, ahead. just ahead of the curve because we shot it in the end of 2019. Oh, so, wow. uh, yeah, <laughs> so um, we'd finished most of the film and I'd kind of done a rough cut of most of the film. And uh, so I think this was like December. December was when we shot the last scene yeah. of our first main shooting Then we just knew we had like an intro thing to do and then kind of a few pickups. Um, but then, of course, like COVID hit. So we had to wait for fucking ages. Sorry, I don't know if I'm yeah. allowed to swear or not. Yeah, you are. You say what? Say what you are. Do it anyway. <laughs> Be a renegade. <laughs> um, but and that was it because like, yeah. we were kind of ready to go with them like we were we were getting married like we got married um, oh, we, we were supposed, supposed to, get to get married in April, April 2020 which was oh. I was trying to get the film done for then yeah. uh, and then that just didn't come anywhere near happening yeah but um, yeah because of COVID we couldn't do our uh, like we had to we had a different intro sequence ready and, or well planned yeah. out much and, more elaborate much more yeah. but then, much bigger like we were going to stretch like stretch yeah. it a little bit but then COVID yeah, COVID happened. Rethink everything. But that was it. I mean, I remember when we went to shoot, we had to completely redo the opening. And I mean, I preferred. I think I preferred the opening we have in a lot mm-hmm. of ways because it's just straightforward and simple. But I remember us when we went to shoot it. It was just me, Ali, and the actor Brian. Yeah. And like having the masks on and like being very paranoid and what like cleaning your hands and going like I'm not breathing on you, I swear. And you yeah, know, PPE and stuff like that. Like, trying to be above board. That's a throwing blood at him from a few feet away. That kind of stuff, you know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but like. But, I mean, it was good. Like, I mean, most of the yeah, film. Brian was the sweetheart about it. Yeah, like it's so funny though, like because it does seem like such a lockdown film because two people, and it was it, everything about it was like it was very small. It was a small crew. It was like what five or six people in the crew. Yeah, max. Uh, the cast was like two people, sometimes three people. Yeah. And like we shot it in a forest, and we had it shot it over like a small amount of time away from everyone. Yeah. But I mean, that's kind of just. Just my... <laughs> what we were doing. It's how we wanted to do it. We were very like. It was the first time we could be super specific about the crew around us and like kind of what we expected from it all. So it was such a beautiful experience in that sense because we got to have the people oh, yeah. we really liked around us. Yeah. So that was like six people. That makes us sound really antisocial and horrible people, but like we favor <laughs> six people and yeah. we got to have them there and it was yeah. just, it made it such yeah. a good experience. I don't know if you notice like the end credits are very short, yeah. but at the same time, there's a really good song. So like, you know, there is a really good song. Yeah, yeah, there is. Yeah, it's like, but Shane, there isn't more names on this credit sequence. Just start making up names, you know, like Tree Wrangler and, and all that sort of yes. stuff. Here's my six other names you can use. But yeah, yeah, we were like, so it was very deliberate to keep it small, I think, because we'd had, yeah, we'd had tastes from other projects yeah. of just too many people and too many chefs. And it was just like, that's very stressful to like each have their pros and cons. But it was such a nice thing to yeah. be able to have like the people around us supporting us yeah. and Sporting Richard mainly, and uh, making sure that the script came out mm. the way you wanted it to, yeah. and like the way that we all saw it because we all read the script and yeah. we were really like, this could be something. Yeah, like I mean, so. like I mean, it was it wasn't necessarily easy or whatever, but it was just no. like it's just no. sometimes you know you have a shoot that can be kind of hard or troublesome or yeah, some elements are, yeah, some elements can be really suck. Whereas this yeah. was just overall, it was a net positive experience. Yeah, you know? yeah, that doesn't mean there was an issues or anything. It was very cold when we shot and stuff, so it was very difficult for Kira, who plays Rosie. Um, but, like, Entad, who plays Dan, it was cold for him too. Just less cold. He got to wear more clothes. Um, so I know it was difficult for them and, like, the crew. And we only got rained out one evening, one afternoon, which is amazing for Ireland in yeah. October, November. Like, that was a miracle. Yeah. So it was good. Like, yeah. it was good. There was other hmm. stresses that you do when you shoot things. But overall, as you say, it was net positive. Yeah. And what was the sort of shooting time period for the schedule for it? So, so we had one block of seven days. 
I think it was that. Was it was, it was seven, seven or days. was it five? No, it was seven. Okay. And then we had another block of three and then another of two. I don't even know what's... Oh, actually, yeah, you're probably right, because the last thing we shot was... Yeah. Um, we shot the stuff in the off-license that's near the beginning of the film yeah. and then stuff with Tad in the forest. Yeah. No, no, it was with James in the forest, I think, yeah. was our last stuff we shot. Yeah. Um, we ended up cutting a whole load of stuff that we shot on the last day. But, um, yeah, no, it was... like I kind of planned it to be like this because I planned it to be... And I mean, there's like the whole backstory of like, you know, like we're saying we've had some kind of bad experiences on some things where, you know, people are too, some people are too involved or people are wanting money that don't have the money to do things or whatever. Um, and I can bore you with that if you want. But basically, uh, the main thing is that it ended up with, before this, I did a found footage film called In a Stranger's House, which I made by myself, like completely by myself. Yeah, he was on his own for that. Like, literally, I filmed it. I was in front of the, well, found footage, so in front of slash behind the camera for it. Uh, and I did all these like kind of fun little practical things in it just kind of make it kind of creepy. And um, like I made it for literally 30 euro, which I mean, whatever, try your exchange rate. What's that like? Five pounds? Um, <laughs> probably probably uh, at the minute, probably. Uh, got stronger recently. Rich. Um, but like that was a real positive experience because like, like I said, we had kind of a bad experience on some things mm-hmm. and to do this was just a nice kind of positive one. And because that did well enough, it kind of found a nice audience, like a very niche audience, but like a very nice yeah. audience mm-hmm. gave us the chance to, you know, have a bit of like, I say a bit of money. I mean like enough money to kind of pay for food for people on this shoot. But um, we had Make that. sure no one was out of pocket. But that's it. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. people, like a, a tank of petrol and, and your lunch, you know, yeah. but um like, I mean, by design, it was a very small film. It was very low budget, very independent. I mean, I went into it, like, you know, once, like, I'd seen the location and kind of came up with the initial idea and then started building everything from there. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, I had my influences from other films and all, but uh, something like Kill List was always a big influence mm-hmm. on what I kind of liked style-wise. I was almost thinking it would be very documentary style. And I was almost, initially, I was kind of planning on it to be very documentary, where you have these two actors basically deliver all the lines of dialogue in almost one long take, with the camera whipping around the place and then you just chop it up completely in the edit and stuff like that, which is not what we end up doing in the end because um, our cinematographer, Roan, uh, is very is much more talented than me and came up with these great ideas and He's you know, he made it look cinematic. Job. So, <laughs> you know. I think the discussion was that if you sit on someone long enough, it's creepier because you're letting things breathe. And I always find when like I'm watching thrillers and horrors and stuff, when you let things breathe and you let things have a longer beat than they should do, that's when you start yeah. to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. And I think definitely yeah. Richard realized that. Oh, utilized that in the edit for sure yeah like i mean there's definitely there's one scene in it where there's like um without getting too spoilery because yeah um for people that haven't seen it but no spoils no spoils spoils. (laughs) but like there's there's something in the woods that like you know they're talking around uh the two characters are talking around and it kind of the camera lingers a good bit and like i kind of took a huge inspiration from the argentinian film terrified so it's called yeah for that um, because that has this great scene where it's just like this it's this corpse of a child left sitting on mm-hmm. a kitchen table but the entire scene is just detectives speaking in the same room and just the camera lingers on this dead child for mm-hmm. so long and you're wondering is something going to happen he's going to come alive yeah, yeah. I just love that kind it's of it's always so uncomfortable that kind of uncomfortable yeah. and unsure like yeah but that's I always think with a forest as well just the, the idea of a forest you know you could be, you could think you're alone, and just by the nature of the way trees are, yeah. you might notice that there is someone walking nearby or whatever, you know, or there could be someone watching you. And you'll never even know, or something could happen to you and you'd be trapped there, and like no one's ever gonna like be able to find you or whatever, yeah. you know. It's they're just, both a beautiful place, a comforting yeah. place, and a terrifying place. Yeah, well, I definitely find a lot of um, malevolence in nature, really. Yeah. You know, I do know. I, I used to like forests, and unfortunately, I would never see one again. So thank you for that. 
<laughs> I shall never walk with the trees again. No, I am done. I shall just mingle with the concrete buildings and that will be my future. I love cubism. <laughs> so let's talk about Kira and Tad because they were amazing. They were yeah. really good. I think Kira especially, not to take anything away from Tad, but I, see, I, I don't know why, and this is going to sound like it's going to be a negative, but it really isn't. I, I don't know why I love Irish films and Australian films more than any other country's films, but I do. So when, when, I, put, when I put on Bring Out the Fear, I'm like, oh, it's Irish, right, I'm going to enjoy this more. And I did. I don't know, I don't know whether it's – I don't know what it is, but I genuinely do. I, uh, it could yeah. be cadence or accent. Because like, yeah. the Australian and the Irish wouldn't have – dissimilar cadence yeah. in how we speak but I think similar like with Australia like I mean there's a lot of co- in common in terms of like yeah. the history and all that yeah. of like you know colonialism and stuff like that between Ireland and Australia yeah. but like I think both nations as well have a huge like a kind of irreverence to our ways you know I yeah. mean if, if a script is written with you know the Irish or with an Australian or an Irish lilt to it um you know you know it kind of brings a lot of naturalness to it like I think yeah. what I really like about it is Kira is uh, her character is really sarcastic all the way through and just like non-stop yeah, yeah. Like, kind of picking on them, but it's a real realistic way of the way an Irish person would speak about things, you know? Um, like, um, like that's just, just the Irish way is like, you know, yeah. you, you, or, or you're constantly making whatever gag. Dire. Yeah, you're constantly making a gag about things. And a little darker. I mean, the amount like. of scripts that you'd see where, like, the, the dialogue is just, it's written as if it's a Hollywood film and it's just so serious or so up on itself and it's just really hard to watch. And I think when a film can get, like, its nation's voice right, uh, that's when it really works out well. I mean, don't get me wrong; it can be done well. Mm. Um, like, and I think like the British voice is very different to the Irish voice. You know, it can, even it to can, the Scottish and Welsh, they're all very yeah. different voices. But like, um, it can work well with um, you know that more serious, more US kind of style of you know delivering of lines. Mm. Um, but whereas you know Irish ones, like I'd say something at like the Hollow, which is you know uh, or the Hollow even, um, like that's that's not that's in Ireland in Galway, but it's you know a British film really because they're British characters um, but then you look at something like Grabbers or Extraordinary mm-hmm. where it's like real Irish voices you know telling these stories in Ireland now, I know both of them are more straight comedies more than anything else but you know they, they really kind of capture what I think is like you know that's what people around us sound like you know that's what mm-hmm. the way people act around us and for our for the characters in this like Tad is uh, he's Brazilian so he kind of and I mean that I thought it was great like I didn't write it for a Brazilian but his I always thought he really kind of captured the essence of the character really yeah, he, well. Like when Richard was talking to him about who Dan was, because Dan is such an interesting character. Because I think he's probably the first character you've ever written that like you want to have sympathy for him, but he's a massive dick. Oh, he's such a dick. <laughs> like he, yeah. he is like everything. He is the embodiment of why there is PC culture now because of the Dan's of the world. Yeah. Like he's just ruined it for everyone. And like you want to try to have empathy because we're like all caring people and they're like in this horrible situation. But there's just something about Dan that you're like, you can't. And like when you explain that to Tad, Tad just got it. He was like, I get you. I know people like this. I can bring this to the table. But that's it. He, he really has, got it. Yeah. Like, he has an immaturity, like so his character, not, yeah, not, not, Tad. not, not Tad. Tad. Dan has an immaturity. Like, yeah, Dan has an immaturity. Like, you know, he's um, like, you know, I think a lot of uh, guys are like this, maybe in their teenage years or in their early 20s, you know, before they've got a bit more life experience where, like, you know, they feel like something's owed to them. That, like, yeah, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's their turn around at something and why aren't they getting it? So he's like, you know, hey, you know, I'm with this pretty girl. Why isn't, like, you know, this is my boat come in and what's wrong with her? Like, yeah. why aren't we? Like, it's you know, my turn. Yeah. Like, I gotta go. Like, um, that kind of horrible. 
Yeah. So, but he doesn't see that. So, I mean, like, you know, in a way, I think, you know, you have to have a little bit of sympathy for people who don't understand that they're being such idiots or assholes. And, you know, I think, you know, it's kind of nice when he can kind of bring that in because I feel bad, like <laughs> poor Tad, like yeah. um, he gets, he's got a bit of, uh, some people have said bad things about his performance. It's not, oh. he does such a good performance because yeah. he is, he's playing an asshole. And I think some people kind of lose the run of the fact that he is playing someone who's not really likable. Like, that's so good. I think that shows the caliber of actor Tad is that mm. you must hate Dan. Entire, yeah. in the entire thing even during the really hard times where you're like this is awful yeah. you're like nah Dan's still a dick that's because Tad's a good actor like, yeah yep. and then on the flip side though then you have Kira who is like you know her character says a lot of things that are kind of you know are kind of assholey in places but you know she's like just a genuinely likable person yeah. like uh, her her like yeah. general her character outlook, like i suppose her demeanor is all yeah. very likable and really approachable there's something really engaging and very tangible about Kira playing Rosie yeah. like there's something you want to root for Rosie even though when you hear Rosie's story in it you're like oh my god like like if that was my friend I'd be having words with her you know like I, you've I, had some voices I think if you wrote down the the things that Kira said and the things that Tad said Kira probably said nasty or you know a longer list of nasty things but we oh, think yeah. but but I was watching some of them listening to the things that Kira said I was laughing because I'm like oh that's funny hear Tad say it you're like dick <laughs> it's just yeah. mixed up because they're playing it so well the uh yeah. one of, I think the first scene, which isn't a spoilery one, that made me sort of talk to my... I often talk to my screen, not so much in a cinema because people will throw stuff at me, but when I'm watching them at home was when uh, was when Dan goes into the off-license and has a conversation with somebody and he's like, if I ever see you again, I'm thinking, you walked into his place. What? <laughs> why, why am I talking to my screen? But I am and I'm going to carry on. How entitled do you think you are? Like, you've walked into this dude's place of business and you're like... I'm setting down the law, and you're like, <laughs> isn't it? I just I love how, like, you know, aggressively assholey that it. It's so yeah. alpha, you know. But at yeah. the same time, he's he's always grabs you as like, you know, the kind of guy that if um, a bully, Eric, yeah. If, yeah, if the character Eric was to like, you know, come around the like come around the uh, counter, <laughs> like had or, or like yeah. uh, that probably run power. out the door, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like no, he's just like he's peacocking, you know. But like Tad just really understood that, and we were so fortunate to find him. Like, because we've known Kira from previous projects, and we've always really wanted to work with her in this kind of feature, and like had that development with her as an actress and a person because we absolutely adore her. But mm. Tad was our lucky find. Mm. Tad, like I like it was Providence, like because like, oh, yeah, the story of Richard meeting Tad for the first yeah. time is quite funny. Yeah, well, that's it. So like when we put out, I put out a casting call for that role. And I got probably like 50 or 60 people came back about it. And I watched all these tapes and like none of them, like there was good ones, you know, but no one really kind of jumped out to what I was kind of imagining the character was until I saw his one. And it was just like, oh my God, like it, Hello, Dad. it was just like, it was so spot on. It was like the character had kind of come to life. So like I sent him a message and asked, would he like be up for meeting in a coffee shop and just chatting? So we did, we met up in a coffee shop. And then we were going, I was like, you know, I was kind of thinking like this guy, I think this guy this could work, work for it. I'd like, I wonder if I could see him do more stuff with it. It's like, Hey, how about me and you go to the forest, you know, just oh, down the road? With my camera. So he goes like, um, okay. So we get go down. I was like, okay, cool, we'll just go here. It's just it's just 15 minutes up the path here. It's fine, it's fine. So like, cool, we'll just get away from everyone else, just so we're away from everyone else, just to kind of have a bit of privacy. And then it's like, poor Tad. Jesus. You hear Tad tell it as well, being like, so this was the moment I was either yes. going to work on a film or I was going to be murdered. And you're yeah. just like, yes, yeah. I can see. So when it was Providence, you didn't get murdered. It was a feature film. Yeah. It worked. And Tad is still out there somewhere you didn't, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, no, he's definitely alive. He's in Brazil, but, uh, yeah, he, he, He's in Brazil. <laughs> wink, wink. Um, <laughs> Brazil up north on a farm, but, you know, <laughs> playing with the other Brazilians. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. But yeah, no, Kira, though, like um, she, like, like Ali said, we worked with her on, like, we did a film called The O'Briens with. Which uh, is not a horror, it's a rom No, it's the exact opposite. Yeah. But, um, like, we worked with uh, someone called Kelly Blaze on that, who we got on great with, and she asked Love us to her. do a pilot thing with her for, like, it's sort of. A sampling of a pilot and that's how we met kira and then like when this came around uh kira was just like forefront of our minds to try for this character yeah like we all um, just got on well so well you ever meet people and you've met them for like three minutes but you're like oh i'm gonna be friends with you for life yeah. kira is one of those people where it's just yeah. she just clicked like and i always think that comes across yeah. when she's on screen as well she has that kind of like yeah. presence about her yeah. and i do think that's what helped with rosie being yeah. so likable what's so mad is that she like she's a com she likes comedy you know she's not really that kind of actor an awful lot but at the same time like i mean i knew she'd be great for it i don't mm. know if she kind of imagined herself in a role like that but you know i mean she dove right into it yeah. she was absolutely spot on like you know i mean both of them were absolutely brilliant but like i like she really dove into it she was really um game for everything yeah and like you know I, like she got put through a lot like on their very first day like i'd located location scouted all the different areas of the forest everything was great and grand first day we go to shoot a scene and out of nowhere, this wind was ripping through the forest. Like we couldn't end up using the scene because the sound was so bad. Yeah, like the wind and the camera was, was shaking. And Kira, poor Kira, was like, you know, um, in these like, you know, these like slightly short jeans with this really flimsy little T-shirt and the jacket, which was basically like a bit of tissue paper. Coat. Yeah, um, she is not in thermals for the first day, but she was the rest from there yeah, on. She in. learned her lesson very quickly. We did. Yeah. We trained her with thermals and stuff, but, being like, she needs them. That's it. But like at the same time, I knew it's like I better be careful that we don't like we can push her far, but I don't want to push her too Dude, far. Let's so not break no. people. There's like this one little scene where she's like sitting under a stump and it's like there's a big mud puddle thing. Yeah. Um, and that was like after we'd had we got rained out one day and it just happened to cause a shite load of water and yeah. mud everywhere. But um the next I, day we figured we like, her okay, way. you know what we're gonna do? Kira's last scene is gonna be that scene, just in case she yeah. like gets pushed too far by being Thrown into a huge mud puddle by us. To be fair, you did say, you were like, Kira, we're going to run you a bubble bath when we get back to the house. So you just have to get through this and you get a bubble bath at the end of this. <laughs> the hot water is on, baby. Okay. So and she you, did. Yeah, if you're going to break an actor, do it on the last scene, on the last day. That's probably, that's a good lesson to learn, I think, isn't it? Yeah. That's it. I mean, you should have learned that. There's one scene where there's a bit like a fight and Tad has something that kind of goes towards his face. I'm trying to be very kind of vague on this, but like... Um, we, we did that one relatively early in the shoot, and I think, you know, we should have done that one last just in case because things got a little hairy with that where uh, someone might have kind of missed their mark a little bit and almost someone almost got kind of Lucio fulci and lost an eye. Um, but it was all good. Nothing happened. No one got any stars. Well, from that anyway. Yeah, uh, from that. <laughs> the actors and, are all still alive, still happy. And so I was shooting it in a forest. Was there any, you know, did you have people wrangle us to make sure that nobody just walks in walking their dog or... Were you just fortunate no. enough that nobody showed up? We were really fortunate. I think we only had to stop it for one dog. Yeah, like dogs, you could hear people. We and most yeah. of the time we'd have to stop for because it's actually not a big forest. Like there's a big, Tiny. yeah. You can see there's like a wide shot of it near the beginning of the film where you see it's only kind of two square meter or two square miles or something like that. It's not huge at all. Um, and like you could hear, like I remember it was near Halloween where we actually was Halloween when we were shooting one scene. I remember us having to stop because we could hear all the kids walking up the path near us. 
Um, every now and again, you know, someone would walk around the corner with the dog. So you just kind of wait for them to go by before you continue on. Yeah, you know, we had to stop every now and again because you could hear like trucks down the road, you know, the, like, the beeping. Or I think the worst, you weren't there for this one, was yeah. one day, it was the day we did some of the drone work. And I'm convinced yeah. because of this, is uh, we got some of the drone shots in the forest. And then for some reason, for the next two or three hours, there was a helicopter going around the forest. And I am convinced that someone thought for their drone. And... No, well, they would see it depending on how far it would go. Mm. They'd ping. Mm. Yeah, I was not there that day. <laughs> I probably would have been like, lads, get the drone away. Yeah, but no, like we had permission to use the forest and things like that. And you know, we had it all planned out and all. But, um, you know, trying to use areas that weren't going to be too in the way of people walk mm. away. And, um, I don't yeah, I don't we... think we were ever on the full path because they're like three or four main paths. And we just stayed away from them. Yeah, the very first few scenes of them in the forest, that's kind of the main paths of it. And then after that, they kind of move away from it. Um, it was just kind of trying to be sensible. The real kind of like, you know, real gorilla kind of filming that, you know, we we couldn't close down the forest, but we, you know, we could, we could use it. So that was the main thing, you know. So, yeah. um, you know, you're being respectful of people who are using it as a forest, you know. Yeah. Um, while also trying to make the film as best you can. You know, what? how dare you? You can't come in this forest. I'm using it. Go away. Find another forest. I feel like there's people who have that attitude as well. Yeah, yeah. What's I, I've met some of them, yeah. Mm. <laughs> not, not fun. So what is the release schedule for Bring Out the Fear? What What are the plans? I mean, obviously, your festivals at the minute. Beyond that, have you got any? So, yeah, so it's festivals at the moment. So obviously, we have Grimfest um, at the end of April. And then we have, uh, we're also over in America in a festival called Julian Dubuque International Film Festival, um, also around the end of April. Um, beyond that, uh, the film... Uh, I don't have the solid dates yet, but later on in the year, the film will be coming out. So it's I'd encourage people to kind of follow us, follow it or me on Twitter. Uh, so it's at Bring Out the Fear or at Rich M Waters. Um, that's kind of going to be where the information about when it's properly going to come out. But I mean, it's it's going to be coming out, and like you know, one way or the other, when we made the film, even if it hadn't been so lucky with getting mm-hmm. festivals and getting people like yourself to watch it and all, it was always going to be. Um, something that we were going to put out there and make sure everyone was going to be able to see it and it was going to be readily accessible. I mean, it's going to be on your uh, Amazons and iTunes and stuff like that. So yeah. that's, it's going to be readily available. I would say, I, I, as far as I'm aware, there's not going to be any theatrical kind of release no. for it, but you know. That was never the aim either. No, but so, I mean, just people get it and watch on a really big TV or failing that, get your phone really close to your face. No, not phones. No, don't watch <laughs> it. No, no, no. Watch, watch a big screen. I watched it on a 55-inch 4K television with headphones, not these headphones, better headphones. Because it's, it's like, can't watch it in the cinema, but I will get as close to that as possible. So I sat really close to the screen as well. And, <laughs> and, I, and I made sure people walked in front of me now and again, and people were sitting all around me using their phones. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Some, some somebody was in sm- smelly chicken, all sorts, you know, yeah. full yeah. experience. And I even paid somebody ten pounds. I'm like, ego, that's the equivalent of my <laughs> ticket price. So it was, it was worth every penny. But uh, but it was it's a very clever film. Kira and Tad were were perfect, both of them. So mm. uh, the trees were wonderful as well. I might add, they were good. Thanks, we wrangled them really that's well. A- Not a single tree in the actual film. It was filmed in a car park. It's amazing. Best visual effects ever. But uh, but I had an absolute blast watching it. And I will be following you on Twitter. You'll see me retweeting stuff. I'm not stalking you, I promise. I just I live on that social media platform. So uh, so, but I live on there and I'm absolutely rubbish at it though. I live on Instagram. Yeah. It's nicer. (laughs) Facebook, Twitter. I think it's been nice having a podcast where I'm not talking about Will Smith, which is quite nice. 
That's, it's, uh, it's eventful. So it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. But uh, what have you got planned for the rest of your day? Any more of these, or have you got a nice quiet day ahead of you? There's we, possibly one more. We're yeah, we were, well, we were supposed to have one before yourself, but uh, he never kind of came back to us. So, um, oh no! If he doesn't come back, then it's going to be a nice, well, relatively quiet evening. I have a bit of work from home to finish up, and that's kind of about it. Then we get to relax. Yeah. And then I'm just I'm edging. I'm playing Resident Evil Eight at the moment, so I'm just like waiting to get back and play that. <laughs> On which platform? Uh, PC. Ah, your PC gamer then, are you? I am. Well, I, yeah, just yeah. That's it. Well, I, soon it will change. <laughs> I built my machine for editing, and uh, just you know, good thing is if you have a good machine for editing, it tends to be okay enough for Steam. So uh, yeah, I've uh, been enjoying games. I mean, I remember like initially playing games, trying to play Alien Isolation on my old laptop, and I couldn't get past the launch screen. It's terrible. <laughs> oh we no. Richard's day job is an editor, which is also how we saved loads of money doing Bring Out the Fear, because like Richard just gets paid for that skill. So we own loads of equipment in relation to that and shooting and stuff just because like life. So that's also how we get the budget down, just to say like other people who want to do it, <laughs> it's possible. Well, that's it. Yeah. I mean, like we're old now, so we just kind of procured equipment as we went along. But um but that's, you know, that's it. Like the film we made before, like I don't I don't joke when I say it costs 30 euro, it literally costs 30 euro yeah. to make the found footage film. And because of it, we were able to get this nicer camera that we could, were able to use to shoot um, Bring Out the Fear. And like a lot of the equipment we either had or else, you know, and um, lenses we used for it. A friend of ours, he collects all these kind of vintage lenses. So we were able to use those. It's just like, you know, it, it was completely like passion project, you know? Yeah. Now, your, your found footage film, is that out there to watch? Because I want to watch that. Amazon, is yeah, it? I don't it's know. It's on Amazon.co.uk. It used to be like, I, well, it's definitely on Amazon to to like pay for rental i don't know if it's hmm. on prime anymore yeah, it was on prime. if if it's not on prime it's probably on plex um okay it, it's definitely it's it should be out there for easy ways to watch i don't know if you guys are like us you don't get Tubi, do you no no, no okay that's only america over here too yeah. oh. there there are 475 streaming platforms but we don't get Tubi. no there's, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's yeah. too many streaming platforms yeah. no no it should be easy enough to find to watch if you want to watch it but it's a mm. uh, my my low budget found footage film yeah. but, uh, <laughs> made with made with all it's very 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 different <laughs> yeah 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 like, I, uh, expectations. <laughs> expectations going i'll probably be able to see something in it just like that yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really but i'll check it out anyway i'm a fan of clever films so yeah. i will uh, I'll investigate that but uh, i shall let the pair of you go but thank you very much for making the film it's been oh, a joy it's, i get the, I, I get the easy bit i just go press play Hour and a half. I enjoyed that. You guys get the difficult bit. You have to run around in the forest and you know get muddy oh, and stuff. That, the... that bit that you just described, press play and watch it. That's what you do it for. Like mm-hmm. you just really make it to have these connections with other people. Like everyone yeah. kind of forgets filmmaking and art is about the connections yeah. with society and humanity and people. So like to be able to see that, that's like a privilege to us. Well, that's it. Like you know, it, like our first and foremost is we love we love films. So it's like it's great to be able to make a film that people can watch and co- talk yeah. about. You know? Yeah. Definitely. I'll be talking about Bring Out the Fear quite a lot. I'm doing my own podcast later on as well, where I talk about the films I've watched and yours will be coming up in that one as well. So, uh, but, uh, but you enjoy your evening and um, I, will, I will, will speak to you soon. I will keep an eye on your career and everything like that. But thank you for taking yeah. time out to speak to me. Yeah. Much appreciated. Well, thank you so thank much. You and thank you okay. for watching the film. You're and cheers for the chat. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.